Welcome to Destiny Spirit Church. This week's message is by our senior pastor, Donna Astern. Open your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 11. While you're turning there, let me ask you, how confident are you that the Lord's with you? Sometimes people are like, God, are you sure you're here? Are you, are you here, God, really? Are you sure? You know, sometimes um, there's a little question that arises. Uh, is he here? We need to have some confidence in the Lord's faithfulness. Amen? Let's look at um, Exodus chapter 11. Now, this is the story of the um, Israelites. They're just about to leave Egypt. And we're going to start there with verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt, and after that he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man asks from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Now, we understand the reason for this is because they've had all of these plagues up to this point. And so, whereas Pharaoh has been very hard-hearted, the people are shaking in their boots, and they have a lot of you know, respect for the Israelites and also for Moses. And so, when they say, give me all your gold and silver, they say, sure, sure, here you go. What else you want? Say, sure, sure. You know, I mean, they had 400 years of back wages that was due them, right? And so they're, they're just emptying out. What else you want? You know, because when they left there, they came out with all kinds of precious goods that the people had given to them. And so they had favor with the people, and Moses is greatly esteemed. So, you know, they're doing pretty good. If you flip over to chapter 14, a few pages. Now, after they had had have this favor and they've gotten all the gold and silver and everything then the there's the last the last plague the death of the firstborn remember that the uh, angel of the Lord came out and struck the firstborn of all the Egypt um, everyone in Egypt except those who had marked the uh, lindel the, the door seals with the blood of the lamb and so Pharaoh had driven them out he says fine Go, get out of Egypt. I don't want you here anymore. Now let's look down at chapter 14, verse 8. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Notice how the, the Israelis are leaving. Very bold. Cocky, I bet. My God beat your God. You know, going out there, head held high, they loaded down with the wealth of Egypt. I believe we will take leave of this country now and just going out very boldly. King James says um, in one place or another, it says it went out with a high hand. Just went out there very bold, proud. We, you know, it's like, yeah, don't mess with us. You mess with us, God gets on you. So they go out there. So they're going. Are you cold, honey? Pass that. Oh, I was going to say, you can pass that back. As, uh, as they're going out boldly, but here comes 
Pharaoh comes chasing them after. Look at verse 9. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea, besides Pihahirath and in front of Baal Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out from Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians to die in the wilderness. What happened to the esteem of Moses? What happened to, oh yeah, Moses is taking care of us, leading us out of here. What happened? What happened was everything was good as long as they were loaded down with money and on their way out. But when a little bit of trouble came, then they decided, you know, where's God? I don't know. God was back there in Egypt with the plagues and stuff, but we're leaving Egypt, so I don't know if he's still with us right now. You know, this is amazing, isn't it? The same God that delivered them through those mighty plagues, and now they're like, we should have just stayed in Egypt where we were. We should have just died there. We didn't have to come out here and die. Moses, you're trying to kill us. You know, how many times it's been God's leaders who have been accused of trying to kill people? <laughs> you just made my life miserable, Moses. What's going on with you? So what happened to that esteem? Yeah, they lost it, didn't they? Now they, they don't respect Moses anymore because of their own fear and the pressure that they're in. Look at verse 13. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, which you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell them to go forward. <laughs> Egypt's on their tail. And they're, Ah, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. And Moses says, okay, just stand right here. Just stand. Stand. Stand nothing. Better move. You know how many people are standing? And here it says, go forward. Well, where are they going to go forward? There's not anywhere to go. Right? The Red Sea's in front of them. Where are we going to go? But God says, go forward. Don't stand here. It's time to move. Didn't tell you to stop. I brought you out of Egypt. You're supposed to keep going. Keep going. Keep going forward. Verse 16. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and through his horsemen. Isn't that an interesting turn of phrase that God is being honored by Pharaoh? What does that mean? That means God is honored when his enemies are crushed. Isn't that something? God is honored. You see, when, when Moses had told Pharaoh earlier, you'll never see my face again. And when Moses is telling the people, you're never going to see these Egyptians again, they were serious. And so God was going to be honored because Moses is going to lead the people to move forward. But he's not going to get honored if he can't get the Egyptians in the sea, right? 
So that means God's people have got to move forward and not stand here and just wait on God. It's time to move forward. God's honored when he crushes his enemy. Verse 19. The angel of the Lord, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And there was a cloud along the dark with the darkness, and yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land so that the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. I saw a picture of this one time. It had little fish up here. <laughs> Way up high, it's real cute. Yeah, that's not how it is in the movies, right? In the movies, this was over in, in 15 minutes. Yeah. You understand this is all night long. It's all night long. You've got the, you've got, you know, God is keeping the Egyptians back with the fire and the, the pillar, keeping them back while the wind is drying out the land because if it doesn't dry, what's going to happen? That's a soggy seabed, right? They're going to walk through that. It's got to be dry so they don't just, you know, get bogged down in the mud all the way. So all night long, this is going on. What a place to be, folks. What a place to be. This is where the expression comes between the devil and the deep blue sea. That's, that's the expression. When you look and you say, okay, God's doing something really amazing right here, and there's something really amazing going on back there. What a place to be. I'll tell you. All right, verse 23. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit, and all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. I, don't you know that the Israelites were wondering why God just didn't wipe them out on the plain? Why did he let Pharaoh get so close? Why did he let the enemy get so close it looked like they were going to take him out? You know what the Bible says in Psalm 91? It says, A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. I think my right hand's pretty near. <laughs> right? If somebody drops dead right here, that's near to me. But to the Lord, that's not near. You see, to them, they're like, oh, God, you've got to hurry up. He's almost here. He's almost here. But God says, he'll not come near you. Don't worry about it. They had plenty of time as long as they kept moving forward. As long as they kept moving forward. I hope when you're getting the principles of this, this is going to help you. Okay. Let's see. Verse 24. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for us against, for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak. This is a long event, wasn't it? While the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone to the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. But the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. 
Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord. And then they believed in the Lord and once again in Moses. <laughs> once again in Moses. Okay, Moses, you're our boy now. Okay, we got you. Folks, we got to learn to be consistent. <laughs> you know, this is human nature of what's going on. The problem is there's a lot of Christians who are standing when God's telling them to move. A lot of times people say, I'm standing, I'm waiting on God, I'm just standing, I'm standing. My question is, are you, are you still standing or are you standing still? There's a big difference. It's one thing to stand in confident faith expecting God to do something because that's where Moses was. Moses wasn't shook up. He was confident God's going to do something. I don't know what, but he's going to do something. Right? He was confident. And he was ready immediately when, Mo, when God says, tell him to move forward, he tells him to move forward. He says, stretch out your rod, he stretched out his rod. He is immediately responsive to whatever the Lord is telling him to do. So he's not just sitting there gathering dust, right? He is standing in faith and confident expectation that the Lord's about to do something. You know, but a lot of people, their idea of standing is is the same effect you have when you're driving down a country road at night and a deer comes. What happens when the deer sees the headlights? <laughs> they stand still and focus on the headlights, don't they? They don't move. They don't get out of the way. I mean, hopefully, you know, I mean, I've been one time where we had to drive around the deer because <laughs> he wasn't going anywhere. You know, a deer will just stand. He's standing, but why is he standing? He's standing because he's scared. He's too scared to move. And so many times, that's what's happened with, with Christians. They stand in fear because they're afraid of something disastrous going to happen. So they don't move forward unless things get worse. And so they're like, i got to stand. No, folks, that's deer in the headlights standing. That's, not, that's being immobilized because of fear. Big difference. And I've heard people, and they, you know, they've got their prophecies, and they've, I'm just believing God. We're just standing in faith. I'm like, what are you doing? Nothing. Not doing anything, you know. For example, I mean, I, I use this illustration from time to time. Sometimes you get prophetic word that says you're going to travel to the nations. And I'm like, do you have your passport? If you don't have your passport, you're the deer in the headlight thing. Because you can't leave the country and get back in without your passport, right? So there are certain things that we can do that shows we're in agreement with what God has said and we're going to move forward. There's a place in the scripture, Galatians, I think it says, it's having done all to stand, stand therefore. But you don't stand until you've done everything else. Until there's everything you can do, nothing less to do, now we're just waiting. You know, It's like when you, when you move, you get everything all packed up, and then you wait for the truck. You know, you, you're waiting. When you've got it all packed up, then you expect the truck to come, all right? Standing has been so overemphasized in the body of Christ to the point of it being an unbiblical proportion to where people, I mean, they, their excuse for passivity 
and not do anything is, well, I'm waiting on God. Well, I'm waiting on this. People, I'm waiting for my ship to come in. I'm waiting for God to perform his word. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. But they're not doing their part. They're not praying. They're not speaking the word of God. They're not getting their passport or whatever they've got to do to move forward. Do you know that when Abraham and Sarah got the word that said that they were going to have a child, I even know that there was some little bit of activity that they were required to do. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> they had to do their part, right? Or what was going to happen? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yes. You see, there's something that we have to do. And, the, and when we get our prophetic word and we read the promise where God speaks to our heart, we want, and he says, this is what I want in your life or this is what I want you to do. Our response is, yes, Lord, what's my part? What do I do? And, not, and then when pressure comes, well, the Egyptians come <laughs> running after you. It's not the time to say, well, I don't believe in that prophecy stuff anymore. I don't believe in that anymore. That, don't, that stuff isn't right. I don't know about that. Folks, we've got to still esteem the word and still esteem the prophet that gave you the word. right? And just because the Egyptians are coming, hey, this probably means that God wants to get honored by destroying your enemies. He'll let you bring them in close so he can wipe them out. Close, right? Not near you, maybe at your right hand, but close. Sometimes I tell you folks, it's too close for my comfort. Sometimes it's too close. The deadline is too tight. You know, the, it's too tight. It's, I don't like that. But you know what? God is glorified. We are confident and waiting and that we're standing in faith and we're not just got the deer in the headlights thing, right? There's um. A lot of times we, we hit that point of frozen inaction. It's because we're waiting for God to give us a lot more details than he intended to give us. I, I've known people, they're like, I have to make a decision. Prophesy to me. I have to know this. Tell me what's God saying. You know, some of them times they've, they've, come, they've come up here, some of us before, and they said, okay, I need to hear from God about blah, 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 so tell me what's God saying. I'm like, hello, we are not fortune tellers. No. No, we'll tell you what the Lord says, but we allow the Lord to choose the topic. You know, people all the time, oh, give me a word about this, about that. Y'all, that's fortune telling, right? We want a word from the heart of the Lord. And so a lot of times people, they... They don't want to move forward because God's not giving them very many details. It's kind of like when God tells Abraham, okay, I want to have you leave your country and go somewhere I want to show you. Okay, God, north, south, east, west, you got a particular direction you want me to go? You know, God did not tell him. God just said, get up and go. I'll let you know when you get there. And he overshot it 200 miles and had to go back. God let him do that. Has God done anything like that in your life? Yes. yes. Not told you, just said go. Okay, God, I'm going. Is this right? Is this right? And you're, do I turn now? Is this right? And you just go, go. Okay, I think I passed it. I think I have to back up a little bit. You see, many times what we want is a map, right? We want a map. I want to know exactly where my turns are, exactly if, you know, if the bridge is out, I want to know where plan B is, the alternate route. I want to have it all laid out so I know step by step exactly 
what God's expecting of me. God says, throw away your map. I'm going to lead you with a compass. A compass is an overall direction, right? A map is very detailed. You turn left, you go down three blocks, you turn right. But a compass says, you head north, northwest, right? This is how God leads us. It's north, northwest. And that makes us very dependent upon him, right? It makes us very dependent because if you are walking through the woods, now you guys that are former Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or whatever, if you're walking through the woods with a compass, you've got to check that thing from time to time, don't you? Because otherwise, what happens to people? They get lost and they walk in a circle, right? You've got to check the, check the thing to make sure you're going the right direction. You understand? This is how God wants to lead us. An overall direction. Okay, I want you to go in that direction. And I will steer you as you go. I will steer you as you get there. And he will cause, and see what he is after, is that we are dependent upon him. You see, most of the time, we don't like that. I want a list of A, B, C, D, one, two, three, four, exactly what's going to happen, da, 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 so there are no surprises. Why don't you want surprises, folks? Why do people not like surprises? Mm-hmm. Not adventurous. Yeah, they don't know what's there. They're not in control, right? People like to be in control because it's a place of security, right? If you don't, if you don't, then it's a place of fear. See? Yes, yes, okay, I'll tell the story, all right. There was a guy, this happened probably 15 years ago. There was a man who was a pastor in California, and the Lord told him to get in your car and go find Donna in Nebraska. And he's like, okay. He got in the car, he took his wife and his granddaughter, she was about her age, little grandbaby. And they got in the car, and they're driving. And they're driving down the highway. And they start at the west end of Nebraska, and they just drive to the highway. And all the way, he's like, okay, where? Where, God? you got to tell me. And God didn't say anything else. Just keep driving. He gets all the way to the eastern border of Nebraska, which is where Omaha sits. It's right on the eastern border. And he's like, okay, God, we're at the end of Nebraska. I don't know who Donna is. Where am I supposed to find her? And so he pulls into the hotel. They go into the hotel for the night. And he picked up a a little newspaper. And there was an advertisement for a meeting we were having that night. And there was my name. And he said, there she is. (laughs) (laughs) Now, for me, I was actually out of state all week. And so I get back, and I've got this message on the machine. Hello, this is Pastor so-and-so, and I have just drove in here, driven here from California by the word of the Lord because the Lord told me to come find you. I'm like, okay. And I, I, mean, I didn't know if the guy was a nutcase or not, but he brought his wife and his grandbaby, so I figured, okay, must be a nice guy. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I met him again two years ago. We were at a conference, and uh, 
and his name, he heard my name before I heard his. He's like, oh, it's you. I said, yeah. But anyway, that was a wild story. But, you know, that was somebody who heard, and then it was just like, okay, God, now he's here. Now what? <laughs> so we, we prophesied to him, ministered to him, and his wife said she felt like that's why they were supposed to come. And then also I directed him, connected him with some other people. And he felt like that was it. Get the word and get connected. But, you know, what kind of faith is that? That's like Abraham, right? Pick up and drive and not know, not even have a last name or anything. Not know, but just go. Do you know, that, that type of thing has happened to me two or three times. It's really weird. And I think, man, what faith you got? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people would have actually gotten in the car and driven. I mean, that's days of driving, you know. But he did. By the word of the Lord. And you see, it goes back to, you see, God is wanting to lead us in an overall direction and keep us dependent on him. But he's wanting us to move forward, to move on. Keep going the right direction, but move on. There are people who want a map and a detailed list of instructions for everything. These people fall under the prey of psychics. Because they're going to go call the psychic or go see them at the fair or whatever and tell me about this, tell me about that, and what do I do now? And you know why a lot of these people stay in business? Because it's repeat customers. Because now these people can't make a single decision in their life without coming back to the psychic and getting some more instructions. $50 or whatever it is. I have no idea. Right? So, you know, as long as we're always looking to another person to tell us what to do, we're not going to have to be dependent upon the Lord, are we? See, God will use other people to speak words of, uh, to us, to give us instruction, to bless us, whatever. But when it comes down to it, he wants us dependent upon him. Right? And so a lot of times he deliberately doesn't tell us all this stuff because it drives us to go back to him. Let's be honest. If God had given you a list of 43 things that was going to be done, you know, you're going to have happen and steps to take for the rest of this year, how much would you pray? I got my list. I got my 43 things right here. Thanks, God. See ya. How <laughs> I many you know that's how human nature is? You don't need God if you got a list, right? We see, the Lord is wanting to keep us dependent upon him at all times. And also, with this... You know, just like the Israelites standing there, you know, God's told them to move forward. They're fussing at Moses. God, you know, what's going on? Moses, you brought us out here to die, and things are bad, and they're horrible, and what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so much of the time, folks, we're looking for somebody else to rescue us. So many people are waiting to be rescued. There's... Single women who are waiting for Mr. Millionaire Wright to come into their life. Tell me, is this the truth? Yes, it's the truth. Mr. Millionaire is going to come into my life so I can spend all the money I want and not have any more problems. Just waiting on Mr. Millionaire to come, right? There are so many people, they are waiting for somebody else to come rescue them. You know what? You are responsible for your life. And sometimes, now I'll probably get in trouble with this, but I hope you hear my heart about it. Your obedience is to the Lord, 
right? People make mistakes. People let you down. But your obedience is unto the Lord. There are times when people love you, care about you, mean well, and give you bad advice, right? Through no fault, I mean, they're, they're human, and they give you bad advice. And sometimes the Lord is telling you something that is contrary to what people are telling you. What are you going to do, folks? Him. Because you are responsible for your life before God. And it's not, well, I'm blaming my husband. I'm waiting on my kids. I'm waiting on this. I'm waiting on Mr. Millionaire. I'm waiting for the lottery. I'm waiting for whatever. None of that waiting around stuff. Move forward. It is time to live your life now. Move, move forward. I was talking to someone not long ago, and the person was in a place of some, some years back, you know, um, God had told the wife one thing, and her husband, you know, really, you know, I mean, it really, he could have done, he could have, you know, gone with what she said, or he could have done his own thing, didn't really matter, but she felt like that because, you know, he didn't agree to do the same thing, that she should just go along with him, and it cost her a great deal of pain because of that. And then she gets under some religious systems that said, well, woman, you just need to submit, you know. You know, I've had to talk women out of abuse because a lot of times they have been living with an abusive person and have been told to submit. And I'm like, I don't think so. Call the cops, change the locks, and get out. I don't think so. But sometimes, sometimes there are religious things that get in the way of good sense and get in the way of what is right and what is healthy and what is good, you know? Mm. Don't wait for somebody else to rescue you. Go on with your own life. Move forward. Move forward. You know, we're waiting on God, waiting on God. Let's move forward. You know, God is waiting on the Israelites to get close to the Red Sea. What is God waiting for for you and for me? We're just saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. He's like, move, move, move. <laughs> move forward. See what's going to happen next. Let's turn to Exodus 33. 3311. You know, it's like I was saying last week, many times when God calls you to an assignment, to a task, you're going to get criticized and rejected for it. People are not going to understand. I mean, you just look at the life of Moses. Oh, my goodness gracious. What a horrible position he had. <laughs> I mean, he had problems from his own, his own family. You know, between, you know, Aaron and Miriam, you know, Aaron, Aaron's out there building an idol, 
where he's off praying, you know, to God on the mountain. You know, he's his Aaron's got a thing going off. Miriam's yapping the mouth. You know, they're causing problems left and right. The, the you know, it was a horrible, you know, a real stretch and a strain on his leadership. But you know what? Moses heard from God, and he was doing the right thing. But boy, he was criticized for it. Exodus 33:11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, Bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Moreover, you've said, I've known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so I may find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence shall go with you, and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. See, that's what you need. It's the same thing Moses knew. You know, when he got directions from God about how to get them out of Egypt and then on the way to the promised land, you know, they did not take the straight shot, did they? They went around and around and around and up and around in all kinds of places. And, you know, the people of Israel probably thought, he is nuts. I knew it. He's going to get us lost and kill us out here in this thing anyway. But, you know, Moses is following the cloud and the fire. This is where God is leading him over, around and around. And it, this is it. It may look like the path that God is leading you or me on sometimes may look like I'm going around and around. Well, I thought it'd be a straight shot. I thought I would go from point A to point B. And no, you end up going from point A, Q, R, T, W, then back to C, and then maybe to B. Because God is leading you in a specific direction. I encourage you, if this is how you feel like that your life is kind of going back and forth and up and around and all around, your heart should be like Moses. God, I need your presence. Because if I've got the Lord's presence, then I can go all kind of every which way. And that's okay. Okay, God, you said go over here for a while. Okay, you leave there. I don't know what that was about, but God told me. That's okay. That's okay. It's that compass direction. God has given you the overall direction and leading you by his presence. You know, God, I just felt led to do it this way. Hallelujah. You know, God is looking for hearts of faith, isn't he? Looking for people that will believe him. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 25 and 26, Do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So when you and I are being led by the Lord, we're moving forward, we're not stuck in the headlights, and it doesn't look like a straight shot, and here comes the enemy. It says here that God's going to be your confidence. You know, our confidence is in His presence. I know that it looks a little dangerous. You know, I'm getting, getting a little concerned, but God, I am not going to throw away my confidence. I'm going to believe what you have spoken is true, and I'm going to trust the comfort of your presence to get me there, right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the rest of that psalm? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? But I'll be comforted by the presence of the Lord. In Isaiah 42, 16, the Lord says, I will lead the blind by a way they do not know. In paths they do not know, I will guide them. I will make darkness into light before them and rugged places into plains. These are the things that I will do and I will not leave them undone. 
On purpose, God will take you into unfamiliar territory. On purpose, God will take you away you have not been before. The Bible says that the Israelites got discouraged because of the way they were on. How many of us have gotten discouraged because of the path that God has taken us on? Haven't we done it sometimes, right? But see, God intentionally, he says, I deliberately am taking you in a way that you don't know. Deliberately. Because see, God's looking for faith. We're like, God gave me step A, B, C, D. He's like, nope, compass says north, northwest. And I know you haven't been here before. I know it's a new challenge. It's okay. You'll adapt. You'll overcome. You'll get used to it. Those of us who have moved to a new community, we understand that. Right? Which way do I go on this highway? I don't know. <laughs> a way they do not know. See, God has deliberately taken us away we don't know. Because he wants us to learn to trust him. But let me ask you this. How easy is it to trust somebody you don't know very well? It's not easy to trust somebody you don't know well. What's God after, folks? He's after that we will know him so that we can delight in trusting in him. And he will deliberately take us out of our comfort zone, unfamiliar paths, where we don't know what to do. Here comes the enemy. He says, move forward and trust me and learn from me, and be dependent upon me, and I'll lead you by my spirit. Folks, I, sometimes we have got to get a heavenly perspective. Sometimes we get in our life, and we look at our problems, and our challenges, and you know, bad news here, and difficulty there, and it looks like, God, where are you? I thought you were going to be here. I didn't know it was going to be like this. Right? But what is he after? He's after that we will run to him, get dependent upon him, and move forward and throw ourselves into him. You know, you're only going to be on this earth for what? 70, 80, 100 years, whatever. How long are you going to be in eternity? Right. So what is this period of time supposed to be developing in us? This period of time is supposed to teach us to be dependent upon the Lord and to walk in his ways and to know him. That's what this is all about. You know, sometimes we put all importance on the things in life. I'm sorry, folks, but in 500 years, you won't care. The things that you stress over right now, in 500 years, you won't care about that, will you? Your perspective will be completely different. Y'all remember when you were a kid in school? Anybody ever worry about anything in school? You know, you worry about that test. You're about the kids who are going to like you, if you're going to get picked for the basketball team, or if you, you know, whatever. We worried about those things, and sometimes, maybe in grade school or maybe in high school, people make themselves, I mean, they get worked up over what's going to happen in high school. And when you're in high school, all you can see is high school, right? And I've often said, you know, teenagers, they can't think past next Tuesday. They can't. They don't have a perspective, Right? They think it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. Some little thing. And, and that's why in all times there's such a high suicide rate is because they cannot see past this immediate place in their life. They're not developed enough to do so. But folks, once you have grown out of that, and let me tell you, the more years you get on you, you start taking things in stride. Eh, it'll be all right. Eh, don't get worked up. It'll pass. It's no big deal. 
you start taking things in stride more, don't you? As you do. I don't get near as upset as I used to 10 years ago. Stuff doesn't bother me the way it used to 10 years ago. Why? It's because I've gained a little wisdom and a little perspective. And I have a little more understanding about what God's doing. You see, so much of the time we live our lives like we're in high school. And God's trying to give us a bigger perspective. There's life after high school, isn't there? You probably can't remember most of those kids you went to school with. You know, and the last name of that one you had the crush on. I don't know. You know, you can't remember that stuff anymore. Because, you know, what happened? Because you grew up. You see, and that's it. God is looking at our lives right now. The things you stress over right now, the things that, are, that bother you and make you crazy, this is something to learn to lean upon the Lord, grow dependent upon Him, because, and learn to trust Him. So when you, you know, this life is over, you're in the next, hey, you've got rewards. You pass some tests. You know, Jesus wasn't kidding when he said things about take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about stuff. Fear not. How many times do you say that? Fear not. Fear not. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just trust in God. Right? R.W. Shambach used to say, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. Faith in God. The challenges that we are facing right now is opportunities to get to know him better. You know, if you've, if you've been hurt and wounded, you get to find out what it's like to be comforted by the Lord. If you've been in a disastrous situation, you get to find out what it is to have a miracle breakthrough, right? I believe we've all got testimonies to God's goodness, and there are things we've learned about Him because of the things that we walk through in our lives. So God is glorified the most when we enter into that unknown path, unknown direction, and we trust Him. Because, you know, what is the greatest fear? One of the greatest fears people have is fear of the unknown. And it's not only one of the greatest fears, but it's the one that will get people stuck during the headlights because they don't, they don't move because they're afraid. Remember the parable that Jesus told about the, the, um, the man who gave the t talents to his servants? And the one guy that he gave the one talent to, and the guy was afraid of his master, so he went and buried it in the ground. Remember that? And instead of getting, oh, good boy, you preserved it, he got rebuked. He said, you, you should have done something. You should have risked something. You know, when you have risked something, when you have faced fear and you have overcome it, I mean, you've lived to tell about it, you have grown and you have really lived in a way that cowards never do. Do not run away from your fears, face them, and lean upon the Lord. God, what do I do here? The Egyptians are coming. What am I going to do? I'm going to trust in God. You know that God's not afraid of us making a mistake. That servant was afraid of doing the wrong thing, of losing his money, of getting rebuked. He was afraid of, of those things, of a failure. But, you know, God's not afraid of that. It's okay with God if you make mistakes. Did you know that? It's okay. What God wants to know is that we tried. It's okay that Abraham overshot 200 miles. He finally got to the right place. He learned a lot about God in the process. You know, I've been talking to some folks recently going through some challenging situations, and the question I have for them is, what's God doing? What's God pulling out of you in the middle of all this? 
What is it that he's after? What's being broken off of your life right in the middle of it? Instead of looking at this as an awful situation, now what's God doing? Because God's doing something good in the midst of whatever negative thing is happening, that he may be glorified. Psalm 138.3 says, On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with, with strength in my soul. We've got to learn to trust, trust the Lord and exchange that fear for trust. You know, we can build up a history of victories. Remember when David was going to go after Goliath? Remember, David's just a teenager. He's going after this huge man of war. And what does he say Goliath? He said, I've already killed a lion and a bear. So you're next. He's never faced any kind of a champion like this before. But because he had a history, I mean, a lion and a bear? Can you imagine <laughs> killing a lion and a bear with what? A slingshot and a stick? <laughs> but he knew the Lord had helped him, that he wasn't killed with the, with the lion and the bear. So he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You're just next. You see, when you and I are building a history of victories with the Lord, then the current situation, it may be new, it may be something we've never experienced before, but we can look back and say, God, you delivered me this time, you healed me that time, you came through me this time, you will come through for me again, and I'm going to keep my dependence upon you. How many of you have ever experienced the hand of God moving in your life? God has done something for you, right? Then what are you facing now? What's that? It's another opportunity for him to be glorified. Maybe he's just getting the enemy in close so he can drown him in the Red Sea. See, God's after something good in the middle of it. Hallelujah. The Bible says the wicked one flees. The wicked flee when no one's pursuing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Do you know that God does not want your life to be easy? Oh, man. God does not want your life to be easy. What did Jesus say in Revelation? To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. What does that mean, overcoming? That means you've got to climb over something because there's something standing in your way and you've got to get past it. Anybody got any obstacles standing in your way right now? You got anything facing you right now? It could be financial. It could be relationship. It could be health. Any number of things. could be legal. All kinds of things standing in your way. Inadequacies, lack of resources, shortcomings, whatever. Something standing in your way. The thing is, overcome. It's overcome. And how are we going to do that? We're going to lean into the Lord. And say, God, you're going to give me instruction. I'm going to count upon your presence. I'm going to do everything I can and expect you to come through and help me in the places where I can't. Hallelujah. Obstacles are to be faced. The unknown, we just have to face it and figure it out as we go. You know, there's so many times, you know, the Lord has directed me in a path, and, and sometimes people think that when you do this, that you know all kinds of stuff. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. And I've gotten to where I don't have any problem saying, I don't know. People ask me sometimes, so what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> figure it out when I get there. <laughs> right? Figure it out when I get there. <laughs> That's how I've been living, you know. Like, okay, God, we just trusted you. Okay, we're going this way for a while. Okay, now we're going that way for a while. Okay. Something getting in my way, we'll overcome it. 
But we're not going to be we're not going to be beaten down. We're not going to retreat. We're not going to let fear to rule us. We're going to press in. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Hebrews 4:16, "Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help when in time of need." God knows there's going to be times that you and I are going to be facing needs as we're meeting these obstacles. We need some help. We need some resources. We need something. That's what he says, come to me in that time of need. God will let you experience need so that you'll come to him and get what you need to overcome it. Hebrews 13, 6 says, We may confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Ha. Our confidence is in the Lord, y'all. That's our confidence. So we're not going to just stand, deer in the headlights stand in fear, but we're going to move forward. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask, Lord God, that each one of us, as we are standing, that we are standing accurately, that we are standing in faith, in a response of expectation, that we have done our part. Father, for any one of us, if we are just still standing and we've entered that place of passivity, I ask the Holy Spirit that you give us instruction. Open our eyes to the passivity that we've been involved in and give us instruction, Lord. Show us what is it that we can do to move forward. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful, Lord God, that you have given us these principles in the Scripture that we can draw from. And Lord, that all of us can say that you're our helper and we won't have to say, where are you, God? Are you here? But we'll know because your presence is with us. Continue, Lord God. I ask you, Lord, continue to grow us up. And thank you, Lord, that you have called us to be overcomers, to become champions, more than conquerors, that you have called us to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. Hallelujah. That you've called us to be those who are, are strong in faith, those, Lord God, who are lights in a dark world and ambassadors of Christ. And, Lord God, we lean upon you. And, Father, I know that there are, there are several people that are at a place of, of just walking with the compass and not knowing, not knowing which way to go. And I ask, Lord God, that you would send that comfort of your presence to direct us. And if we have overshot or veered off course in some way, I thank you, Lord God, that you are faithful to get us back on track to where we need to be. And if it means that we need to you know, go back and make amends or, or apologies or whatever we need to do, I ask you, Lord God, that you would give us the grace to do what is necessary, that we can overcome every obstacle and every challenge, that you may be glorified in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Destiny Spirit Church or additional teaching CDs or training events, please visit our website at www.destinyspirit.com or you can write to us at Destiny Spirit Church, P.O. Box 15252, Chesapeake, Virginia 23328. Thank you.